Amen. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 4. 1 Samuel chapter 4. We'll be bringing you a message out of this chapter in the Old Testament. The I call something, this, this is not the message, but I call this the Laodicean Calamity. You know, we live in the age of Laodicea. And uh, the phase that the church is going through right now, and, and what we have a problem is because some, peop- some churches preach truth without any love. It's just all truth. Then you have other churches that preach love without any truth. When God told us through the Apostle Paul to speak the truth in love. And that's what we're going to attempt to do. I mean, just speak the truth in love. And we'll do that today. Let's, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. And I'll ask that we stand together reading these responsively. 1 Samuel chapter 1, or chapter 4, excuse me. Verses 1 through 9. And the word of the Lord came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched besides Ebenezer. And the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines. And they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. And when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was come into the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians when all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines that be not servants unto the Hebrews, as they have been unto you, Quit yourselves like men and fight. Quit yourself like men and fight. And I've entitled the message, Misdirected Trust. And we're going to look at this this morning. And let's pray. Father, I ask that you would bless this time that is consecrated for the preaching of thy word and that it will not return void, that we'll all take heed, and the Spirit will lead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This tragic story, we'll look at some of this here in just a minute. It took place when a time when things were actually improving for Israel. Things were actually getting better 
Because for years and years before this, they had no prophet. Had, it says they had no word of the Lord. There was, the word of the Lord was very precious in those days. And that's why God called Samuel as a child. There was no open vision. Nobody had a vision for the Lord. Very little knowledge of God. The leadership was corrupt. The leadership was very poor. People actually hated the service of God. They hated even going to the, the house of God because of certain things that were taking place. God's Word, it says, was very precious, very rare. And simple tasks were getting undone. You know, the Bible says that the light in the tabernacle had to stay on all the time. Perpetual light signifying the Holy Spirit. They let it go out. Darkness fell on the house of God because they violated through negligence. They did not know the Lord back then. And people were bereft of the truth. Enemies were getting the upper hand. And, and such is the case, the Philistines, strong enemies of the uh, people of God, and they are coming and setting themselves array against the men of Israel in Aphek. And something happened. Something changed. God sent a prophet named Samuel, one of the greatest men in the Bible. And the word of the Lord came back. It says God brought the word back. The vision came back. It says none of his words fell to the ground. All Israel knew the Lord has established a prophet for them. Interesting. Renewal took place. Now they wanted God. Now they wanted to go return back to the Lord. And the word of the Lord came back. They wanted victory over the Philistines. They believed in the Ark of the Covenant. I don't know if you noticed how many times in that passage the, the word Ark of the phrase, the Ark of the Covenant, was mentioned over and over again. They believed in this box. Now, the Ark of the Covenant, the greatest piece of furniture, actually the greatest item that's ever been on the face of this earth. Made by men. It was a wooden box, four feet long, by two and a half feet wide, by two and a half feet tall, made out of wood, covered in pure gold, and then it had a lid on the top of it, made it out of pure gold, and there were some, I'd like to see what it looked like, two cherubim, the creatures that, that basically guard the throne room of God, were placed above it, looking down over the seat of this box, and it's called the mercy seat. That's where God's mercy sat. For Israel. That's actually where God's presence sat. On top of this. It was actually one of the renditions is a coffin. A little box. Made by the direction of God. And so inside this box was placed the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses. Also inside this box was placed a, po a golden pot of manna. That God sent to them. And it, this, this is the only manna that did not disintegrate or deteriorate or stink. It stayed in good full form all the time. It was placed in this box. If you know the Bible, it says that Aaron the priest had a rod of almond branch that budded. Signifying the resurrection, by the way, which we're coming up to Easter this, this uh, upcoming week. This, it had to be a fairly short uh, rod had to fit in this box. It fit inside this Ark of the Covenant. Amazing 
symbol, uh, symbolism here. And it was placed within the Holy of Holies, the holiest place of all. And God promised them, I will dwell there. I will put my spirit in my presence on this mercy seat which sits on top of this box. It was a wonderful place of mercy. They would put the blood there when they made the sacrifice during the Day of Atonement. They would sprinkle the blood upon the mercy seat and the Bible says God would see that and put His presence there and smile and actually glow. And the Spirit of God would would go all through the tabernacle and then come out and all the people in Israel would know the Lord is, is uh, pleased with us because of this blood sacrifice. The presence of God was evident on this box. It says He dwelt there. He said, I will put my name there. I will put myself on that box. Now, like I said, most important object in the Bible. It's called the Ark of the Testimony in Exodus 25-22. It's called the Ark of the Covenant in Joshua 3.6. It's called the Ark of the Lord in Joshua 3.13. It's named the Ark of God in 1 Samuel 3 verse 3. It's called the Holy Ark in 2 Chronicles 35 verse 3. It's the Ark of thy strength, David said in Psalm 132 verse 8. And then it's the Ark of the Lord God. Found in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 26. This is the uh, ark. Some people, some people might only be able to relate to that silly movie they put out about the raiders of the ark or whatever. Completely unscriptural, by the way. Greatest item ever made. Actually, the ark, a chest of gathering. You know, items were gathered and placed in it. Just like you'd have your hope chest at home. Uh, Rebecca's got a cedar hoe chest. She's had it since before we are married. I've never gotten to look in there yet. I, I always wonder what's inside that thing. I'm going to get out my saw and cut it open and look someday and see what's in there. It's funny. We've been married 35 years and she hasn't looked in there either. I think she's afraid to look because her hopes and dreams didn't turn out right. Is that right? Anyway, hey, once placed in its spot, the Ark of the Covenant rested. And the covenant of God that He made with His people was sure it had this wonderful place of rest, signifying the rest that we have in Christ. If you'll just put your faith in Him, you can put your soul there and rest in the Lord Jesus Christ and find true rest. Find the only rest that's ever available. Now, now, getting back to our story, Israel had this battle with the Philistines. They were feeling good. They went out to fight, and they lost. 4,000 men died. They went back home to their tents, and they, they met back, and they said, what's going on here? Why did the Lord allow this? You know, sometimes we don't know why the Lord allows certain things. But they said, we, somebody had this brilliant idea. Hey! Let's get the Ark of the Covenant. Let's pull it out of its resting place. And let's take it to the battle with us. Surely we pull this out, it will save us. And everybody says, that's one of the greatest ideas I've ever seen. Send them in and get it. And they went into the tabernacle and they found it and they took it. 
and they brought the priest of the, of, of the holy place with them. And they brought it into the camp. You know, you can only imagine they had the, the battle set in array. You know, the Israel army here and the Philistines in the valley of Aphek across the way, and they're seeing one another like in the story of David and Goliath. They're watching one another as the, the camps and the armies move. Well, here comes the Ark of the Covenant being brought into the camp. It says that the earth rang. The shout was so loud in the excitement that the Philistines on what is going on over there in the camp of the Jews. Somebody said, you're not going to believe this, they've got the Ark of the Covenant with them. And so Israel on their end is going, it's a sure victory. We've got the ark. They have no chance. The Philistines are going, we have no chance. They've got the ark. You know, the Philistines, they said, well, if we're going to lose this battle, we're going to lose with dignity. We're going to quit ourselves like men. We're going, to, we're going to fight. We're going to muscle up. We're going to go out and we're going to fight against them. And we're going to see what happens. So you see, the, the Israel is trusting in the ark. The Philistines are afraid of the ark. They go out to battle. God allows the Philistines to completely defeat Israel. Again. They went running home. They left the ark behind. The two priests, Hophni and Phinehas, were killed. The Philistines stole the ark of the covenant. They took it. My, this has never happened in the history of Israel. They lost their most prized possession. You know, they lost their prized peace. The ark of the covenant. What are we going to do now? It says in verse 10 and 11, many men died. Many men died. The priest of the Lord died. The high priest, Eli, when he heard what happened, he fell off his rocking chair backwards and broke his neck and died, it says. Eli's daughter-in-law is, is uh, pregnant, about to give birth to a child. She hears the news. Her husband is dead. The Ark of the Covenant is gone. It says she goes into hard labor at that time and says, I'm just naming my son Ichabod, which means the glory of the Lord has departed from Israel. His name's Ichabod. That's where that word, that name comes from. The glory has departed. She says, it's all over now. And it wasn't over. God had made a covenant with His people to be their God, and they would be His people forever and ever and ever. Now, the fact that it's interesting because the Philistines take this Ark of the Covenant home to them. And they go to Ashdod, a city of Philistia, and they stick the Ark of the Covenant in the temple of their god, Dagon. They stick it right beside Dagon's idol. They think they have something really special here. They stole God. See, you see what? They honestly thought they stole God from Israel. They go in there in the morning. Overnight, something had happened. Dagon, this idol, had, had been dropped off and fell on its face before the ark. And it's, it's basically prostrate before the ark. They said, oh boy, Israel's God is stronger than our God. So they prop him back up. 
They wait another night. The priests go in there the next night into the temple, or the next morning, and what they find is Dagon was headed toward... This is interesting to me. This, it's an idol. It's a, probably a stone. It's either a graven or a molten image. Was trying to get out. It says it almost made it to the threshold. And God made it fall, and His head broke off, and the palms of its hands were missing. And the Philistines knew we can't keep we we have we can't do anything about this amazing God. And they're looking back at the ark. You know, and so they take the ark, they say, We oh, and by the way, at the same time, there's a plague taking place on Ashdod. Many men are dying. It says it smote them with emeralds. And if you study it, a bunch of mice showed up. They got plagued with mice. Well, they say we can't, we cannot do much about this. We can't fight against this God. We're losing our everybody. The destruction is so great. Let's get rid of the arm. They take it down to the next town, which is Gath, which is where Goliath came from. They take it down to Gath. Same thing happens. The whole, the whole town becomes plagued. And, and mice show up. And every man there, and a lot of people die, and they say, we have to move this on. They try to take it down to the next town, I think, which is Ekron. And the Ekronites are smarter than the rest. They say, you're not bringing this ark into our house, in our town. They say, well, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to try to give it back. Since we can't have the God of Israel, see, they thought it was a box, we'll give it back. And hopefully God's wrath will no longer be upon us. It's an amazing story here. But what, what I need to do here is I want to show you a pattern here. Now turn over to, this is my message. 1 Samuel chapter 5, in verse 1. And I'm going to reiterate some things that I just said. But it says, And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it. You see that? Brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. So they brought the ark. And when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by the... It's an object. You see what I'm saying here? It's an object. It's not the God of Israel. It's an object depicting Him is what it is. And so then you look at verse 11. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send away the ark of the God of Israel, lest it... Or, I'm sorry, let it go to His own place. You see that? They are correlating the ark with God. They're saying that God and the ark are inseparable, that they are one and the same. That it slay us not in our people. There was a deadly destruction throughout all the city. The hand of God was very heavy there. Look at chapter 2, verse 6. The Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, saying, What shall we do to the ark of the Lord? Tell us wherewith we shall send it to His place. How interesting this is. And then in verse 3 it says, They said, If you send the ark of God away, or the God of Israel, send it, not empty, and any wise, return him a trespass offering, then shall ye be healed. It shall be known unto you why his hand is not removed from you. I can go on and on here. Verse 8 says the same thing. And take the ark of the Lord and lay it upon the cart and put it on the jewels of gold which returneth him. He's, they're correlating the ark and making it a him. 
Now, the word it keeps popping up. The word it keeps coming up. Why is that? Hey, even Israel fell prey to this. If you go back to chapter 4, when it all started, and we read this earlier, in chapter 4, verse 3, it says, And when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh and among us. Why? That when it cometh among us, it will what? It may save us out of the hand of their enemies. They honestly believed the ark would save them. Not the God of the ark. The ark. They were trusting in the wrong thing. You know, as great as the Ark of the Covenant was, probably God probably took it to heaven right now. It's probably there. Uh, nobody knows what happened to it. As great as it is, it's still just a box that made by men. The Bible says there's an Ark of the Testimony in heaven. It's found in Revelation chapter 15, I think verse 1 and 2. There's a true Ark there. This was a pattern Ark. This is not the real Ark. The blood of Jesus Christ would be on that one that cleanseth us from all sin. They fell prey to seeking the power of the ark, not the God of Israel, the God of the ark. They trusted the object, the vessel. They, they, you see what I mean? The visible, tangible things. You know, that's what, men have a problem with this. Not God who is the Spirit. The Bible says He's a Spirit. You know, said they did not learn this even yet. It took David to finally teach them that the spiritual way. You know, so what we find here is a very simple but very powerful truth that I want to bring forth to you here in the next 10 minutes. So what's the problem? When you turn your attention and you turn your trust into a think, it's a very futile form of religion. There's no power to it. Now, there might be some, uh, some uh, charming type power. It's not God. I don't care if it's, you think it's holy. It's not God. There's nothing more holy than the Ark of the Covenant. And they found it didn't save them that day. God wasn't about to let it save them that day. They were trusting the Ark, not God. Has no power. Focusing on the thing. Now, it's a very deceptive way which men fall prey to pretty regular. We're, we're prone to this. So listen to me a minute. They feared the ark, not the God of the ark. The Philistines feared the ark, not the God of the ark. The Israelites trusted in the ark, not the God of the ark. They trusted the item, not the spirit which is inside. They wanted a God that they can grab, that they can feel, that they can see, that they can witness with their eyes. They wanted a God, a charm, an object, a talisman. Something to give them good fortune. Something to give them good help and success. You know what they do? They try to turn a neuter, a thing, into a person. God. It becomes things. It becomes works. It becomes rites. It becomes rituals. It becomes, it's not God. It's things that might pertain to God 
It's not the Lord. It might be a series of things. And what happens is Christianity becomes a thing. No, we refer to it a lot. Hey, Christianity. It's the only real religion there is. It's not a religion. It's Jesus Christ. It's a person. It's all about Him. It's always been only about Him. He's a living, He's the living God. He's not, you can't put God in a box. You can't put God in a temple. You can't place God. The Bible says, I think it's in Jeremiah 23, 11, He filleth heaven and earth. He's so big that the universe contained inside of Him. He's the, he's the omnipresent one. He's the omnipowerful one. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient, knowing all things. He's God. He's a person. We had a man tell us yesterday that God was a woman. He was with me. And that she dwelt in the hearts of every one of us because we're all God's people. He's one of the strangest men I've met yet in, in Hondo. I, I, I hope he can come around someday. I really do. I was going to ask him, what are you going to do about where it says the Lord is a man of war and he has a son? Anyway, uh, I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. It becomes religion. Not the new and the living way, which is Him. It's a religion. So we try to turn the new and living way into like all the other religions of the world. Based on things, things you got to do, things you have to say, things you have to hold. Things you have to hold dear. He's a spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. That's why the men died. They were trusting in the thing rather than the Lord of the thing, the God of, of, the, of the box. And guess what? God had to teach them opposite. Remember the story when Aaron, Moses was up in the mount getting the Ten Commandments, getting the law, getting everything with God. He's up there too long, they thought, 40 days and 40 nights. And they said, he's gone. And they told Aaron, make us some gods. And he put the he put the gold into the fire and, out, and they made it into a calf and he said, these be thy gods now, O Israel. How crazy is that? They wanted to have a calf, a golden bull to serve rather than the God of heaven and earth. The one that will dwell right inside your very bosom of your heart. It's, listen, it's not your faith. It's not your church. It's not your religion. It's not your history of your life and your experiences. No, it's God. They lost track. They had misplaced trust. Trusting in the wrong. They were trusting a thing instead of a person. Him. So if you notice, art didn't save them at all. Instead, devastating loss took place. So men must understand. Now, let me finish up here in the next seven minutes. Matthew 1.21. When Jesus was born, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. We sing the song, Jesus saves. It's not things around Jesus saves. It's not great men with Jesus saves, or my family religion with Jesus saves, or my church with Jesus saves, or my money with Jesus saves, or my baptism 
my right of baptism. No. All that avails is Jesus, the new, what I say, the new and living way. So notice, none of these people sought God. Never says one time they sought Him. Never said it. They sought the ark. They wanted the power of the ark rather than the God that gave it the power. Did you know that right after this, when they, when they finally sent the ark back to Israel, the first men it went to uh, opened it to look in. They wanted to know what was in there, and God, they, every one of them died. Because they wanted to look into the ark. They, God said, don't you open that box. Don't try to gaze and understand God. You better believe and fear God. We're very guilty of this too, modern man. You know, sometimes I read Israel's history and I go, what was wrong with them? You know, but, well, we fall prey to it too. A lot of times we seek neuter things rather than the living God. We seek, we think communion, which is a thing, by the way, is God. Or it's going to save. We think that baptism, which is a work of man, is going to save. It's not. We think if you become a member of a church, that's really going to get you somewhere. And I think you should be a member of a local New Testament church. But that's not going to save. It's not even going to help. We think the sacraments are going to help. And a creed is going to save. And sadly, there's people all over the world. They, they still follow idols. They still follow denominations. And they'll hold on to them till the day they die. It's the denomination. No, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Not an experience. So what do they do? They're resting on an organization. Not Jesus Christ. They're resting on a work that they did. Not on Jesus Christ. They're resting on an experience. When they got filled with the Holy Ghost and something might have happened. No, you better rest on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not on a symbol. Not on a family legacy. The Bible says salvation is of the Lord. He is our life. Nothing else brings life. Only Him. So where's your focus today? You know, where's the true attention? Where's the desire? Where's the trust? Where's the trust? Do you, don't gaze at... We don't have that here. Fancy churches. Don't, don't gaze at statues thinking they're going to help. Don't gaze at special memories of your past. These experiences that you had. Better gaze and look your eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And look to the Lamb of God, for He alone is able to save you, like that famous hymn says. This is a great verse. Isaiah 35, 4 says, Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God, with a recompense, He will come. He will save you. He saves. Nothing. You cannot save yourself. There's not a thing that can get us even one step closer to heaven. God is a spirit, Jesus told the lady at the woman at the well. And you worship Him and in spirit and in truth. 
Bible says the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. Do you have that witness in you today? You just know it's in there. It's not tangible. You don't have a birth certificate to prove it. It's, in, it's your spirit. The Lord bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. Don't place trust on an item. This isn't about superstitions and things. Don't trust a charm. Don't do it. Trust in the living God. Don't trust a, a religious item. You know, I, I got to thinking of this as I was making this message. You know, some people put too much emphasis on the book. Not the words in the book. Thy words are spirit and life. Jesus is the living Word. Jesus is the Word. Not the book, the cover. You know, they're, they're so worried. And I think you should revere your Bible. But you, you take care of that. But that's not God. The words in it are God. We've got to be careful here. That we don't put our trust in something that you can see, feel, or touch, or have. It's inside. It's eternal. It, you know, it's interesting. We're not, it's not the God of Israel, or the God of our church, or the God of our family. He's my God, that I, that I know Him personally. And I have an understand. So, as I finish up, let me just say... I hope you understand what I'm saying. The focus of our life ought to be on Him. Not the things and the people around Him. Him. The focus of our family ought to be on Him. Not the things He gives you and the people that He's placed in your life and the things that you have because you're a family under God. No, Him. The focus is on God, the Lord Jesus Christ. The focus of our church is going to be on Him. Not religious works of any type. Hey, a lot of deeds get done. A lot of good deeds get done. People serve. People work hard. People want to serve God. But our focus is on Him. We trust in Him. For He alone is able to save you. The folk, think about this. The focus of heaven. What's it on? The golden streets? And the mansions? And the water of life? And the tree of No, it's on Him. It's all about Him. All that's extra. I wonder when you get there, you know, if you, if you can put yourself in the place of when you finally go through the pearly gates and you get into heaven, you know, we say all the splendor that you see, which is going to be more than you can imagine, you're going to be looking for Him. That's all you're going to care about. You might want to just look in His face for a couple of million years before you even take a tour of the city. It's all about Him. It's all that matters. Christ, you know, so what we, we don't want to misplace our trust. He's a person. It's a relationship. Trust in the Lord.